Am I living a life of contribution? Is the work of my hand moving our world in the right direction? Yeah. Am I contributing to the progress of enterprise, of family, of governance, and all that? Because that's, that's what it's all about. That everything moves according to the counsel of the God that we serve. Uh, and I want to also pray for anyone who may not be getting the right reward for your labor. That God will bring you to a season of great rewards. In the name of Jesus. Anyone who may have been cut short from the joy of uh, being meaningfully engaged in good labor, good work. I pray that God will restore your career path. God will restore your businesses and cause his face to shine upon you in the precious name of Jesus. Or somebody say better, amen. amen. We pray that the businesses of the Elevation Church in the Elevation Church will prosper. In the name of Jesus, we pray that everyone engaging in meaningful work will see commensurate results. We pray for everyone engaging in nation building through governance and politics that God will use them to bring our nation on the right path and the nations of the world on the right path in the precious name of Jesus. Can you say happy workers day in advance to your neighbor? Praise God. I said praise God. Are you ready for God's word today? Look at your neighbor for me. To ask your neighbor, do you like the word of God? Yeah. Make sure you get the response. Make sure you get the response. Yeah. Tell your neighbor, this is not the time to get distracted. Don't doze off. <laughs> Just focus. Glory be to God. For everyone joining us online, I want to welcome you very specially from whatever part of the city or around the world that you're joining us from. We want to ask that you take distractions away from you and get ready to be blessed by the teaching and preaching of God's word. The Bible said he sent his word and his word healed them and delivered them from their destructions. We believe that the testimony of this service is that the word of God will profit you. The word of God will lead you in the right direction. You will be restored healed and set free in the precious name of Jesus. All right, we're continuing the teaching series that we started, Level Up the Covenant Way. We have been discussing the covenant that we have with God and the fact that God does not do casual relationship. He engages in a covenant walk with his people. We have emphasized the fact that anyone who wants to reap the full benefit of sonship or being a child of God, a son or a daughter of God, must be ready to walk with God in a covenant. We said last week that a covenant is like a contract, an agreement that our lives are ruled by the agreements, the contracts, and the covenant that we sign up to. And that everything around us is governed by the quality of our agreement, the contracts we sign, and the covenants that we engage. And whether we like it or not, this will continue to rule our life. And the ultimate covenant that anyone can have is to have a covenant with God, the maker of the heavens and the earth. The covenant that you get into through the blood of the sinless Son of God. We emphasize the fact that people cut all kinds of covenant. Covenant with the blood of chickens, bulls, and animals. Some people even cut covenant with the blood of human beings. But those are sinful human beings. But when you step into a covenant through the blood of Jesus, the Bible says he himself, Christ, has been made a propitiation, a substitution for our sins. When in the scriptures, John the Baptist saw him, he said, behold, the Lamb of God who took away the, sons of, uh, uh, the sins of the world. And a lamb was for sacrifice, was for sacrifice. So little wonder that Christ, when he hung on the cross, he said, it is finished. The price has been paid. Now, humanity have the privilege of walking with God, being at peace with God, and living free of pain, of, of sin, and anything that can cut us short from being a vital part of the family of God. That was why Jesus died. 
And we are supposed to be able to reap the full benefit of his death and his resurrection. But certain things seek to cut us short of this work with God, of, of this benefit. And th th those are some of the things we want to start to uh, get into as we continue in this series. So I've titled this Cultivating a Covenant Mindset. Cultivating a Covenant Mindset. Mindsets are very important. As a relationship coach, I've realized that one of the worst things that can happen to anyone in your quest for the fulfillment of your marital destiny is, for instance, when a lady marries a mama's boy. That's, you know, that's a man that is supposed to be ready to engage in meaningful relationship of marriage, but is still tied to his mother's apron or tied to his friends, still behaving like a boy, not a man. Yeah. And it's, it's vice versa. That sometimes a man has just married a baby doll, not a wife. <laughs> Sorry, that was not from the Holy Ghost. That was from me. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. When you just marry this lady who's not ready for marriage, who's not ready to, be, to take responsibility, who just wants to do our own thing, just look good, you know, take a selfie and do Instagram stuff, you know, and all that. No food at all, nothing around, you know. Uh, all the things that, make, that will make a man feel fulfilled in a home, she's not concerned about them. Just want to hang out with the girls, you know, watch all the latest movies, binge Netflix like there's no tomorrow, yeah? <laughs> no, no emotional connection, nothing. You just find out that, look, it looks like I'm in this all by myself. Am I really married? I remember a young man in counseling once looked at me, said, Pastor, you know, they said two shall become one. Say, I've never been one with this woman. <laughs> I said, calm down. I said, no, I can't calm down. I'm telling you the truth. We have never been one. <laughs> That's what happens and the kind of frustration that comes when the partner in a covenant work is engaging a wrong mindset or living in the wrong perspective to the kind of arrangement that should make the relationship work and create fulfillment for the parties involved. So that's what we're looking at in our relationship with God. How do we cultivate a covenant mindset that makes this relationship vital? That God can look at you and I and say, this is a responsible son of mine. This is a responsible daughter of mine. Because this person is working in the covenant, recognizing and respecting the covenant, and imbibing the right mindset for the covenant. Ephesians 1 and verse 18 talks about the inheritance that is in the covenant. It says, uh, it was a prayer by the Apostle Paul. It says, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Without knowing that, you will not be able to make the covenant a vital part of your life. It will be something that you mouth, that you talk about, but it's not a vital part of your life. You're not living it out because you don't know the hope of your calling. And what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? When that is in place, I'm able to live out the covenant very well. So the covenant, the new covenant, brings with it an amazing inheritance in Christ. Yeah. Brings an amazing inheritance in Christ. If I will be able to walk in the fullness of it, I must embrace the new, a new mindset. I must renew my mind to understand how to walk in it. That's why the Bible says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We're going to look at the book of Luke chapter 15 as the major passage for this sharing today. We're going to do a character study together uh, in this message of the three major characters in the story that Jesus told in Luke chapter 15. And I'm talking about no other story but the story that we have, you know, widely called the story of the prodigal son. In Luke 15, we have three stories which we call parables. The parable of uh, the lost sheep then the parable of the lost coin, 
and then the parable of the lost son, which we then call the, the story of the prodigal son. <laughs> I hope you are getting me. So, the whole chapter 15 of the book of Luke was about your posture to what is lost or how God views us and how redemptive, God's redemptive capacity, his passion for redemption, his attitude towards redemption, but he underscored it with the last story there, with the story of the prodigal son. And I want you to follow me very carefully as we dive into these three major characters in, in, that, in that passage. So, uh, uh, we will we'll look at the, the, the younger son. Let's take them according to their age. Look at the younger son who became prodigal, the brother of the prodigal son, and their father. And their father. So, though every believer is in a covenant with God, many lack the covenant mindset. We're going to examine the covenant mindset, you know, displayed by the prodigal son, the brother of the prodigal son, and the father of them all, who figuratively is God. All right, let's get into it. Are you ready? Let's look at the younger son. Uh, I love to read the passage of the scripture, that Luke 15 from verse 11. I hope I'll be able to read as many uh, verses as possible. Uh, and then we will break them down a little bit as we look at the different mindset. Luke 15 and verse 11, I'll read from the Passion Translation, TPT, the Passion Translation. It says, then Jesus said, once there was a father with two sons. The younger son came to his father and said, Father, don't you think it's time to give me my share of your estate. I want you to know something there, and if you are writing, write it down. Time, time. Don't you think it's time to give me a share of your estate? Then another thing was the seeming affront, because the tradition of the day was that you wait for your father to want to transition or to have transitioned, then you take inheritance. So when you come like midway like this, it is also seen as a little bit of arrogance. Because what you are saying is, you are supposed to be dead. Or die quickly. So we can collect this thing. Yeah. So don't you think it's time? <laughs> Wouldn't you just die? And give me what belongs to me. Don't you think it's time that I collect my inheritance? This inheritance was supposed to be passed on at transition. The man was not ready to transition, but the boy was ready to collect. <laughs> follow me carefully. Yeah, follow me carefully. So the father went ahead and distributed between the two sons their inheritance. Now, the word inheritance in this verse, I need to be quick to point it out. The word inheritance in verse 14 uh, is from the Greek word bios. You know, this is New Testament written in Greek. Originally, bios is where we got the word biology from, which is human life. So what the father was sharing with them was not just physical stuff. It was his life. Yeah, it was his life. If you read literally in the Greek, the word that was translated inheritance was bios, which is life, biology, life. So he was sharing his life with them, literally speaking. It's not just the material stuff. Though the young man was focused on the material stuff. Uh, uh, let, 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 let's, let's move on. Shortly afterwards, the younger son packed all his belongings and traveled off to see the world. Somebody say, see the world. Yeah, like they say, see Paris and die. Yeah. <laughs> see the world. You know, just to see the world. And there are many things to see in the world. It's just that some people are either not ready for the word or the word is ready to swallow you up. That will not be your portion in Jesus' name. Yeah. So this boy was ready to see the word. The, the scripture says, he journeyed to a far-off land where he soon wasted all he was given 
in a binge of extravagant and reckless living. A binge of extravagant and reckless living. Uh, the next verse says, with everything spent. Somebody says spent. spent. And nothing left. Everything spent and nothing left. Anyone under the influence of this service who is gainfully employed, but everything spent and nothing left, you are a prodigal son. <laughs> you ain't expecting that, right? Just come along with me today. God will help us. Somebody say amen. <laughs> because he got what belonged to him, but everything spent with nothing left. I'm not talking about somebody who doesn't have a job. Yeah. But somebody who has a means of supply. But as I'm speaking right now, everything spent and nothing left. Oh, we're talking about you. <laughs> so, the Bible says, so he begged, no, no, before I get into that, everything spent and nothing left. He said he grew hungry because there was a severe famine in the land. And that thing I wanted to note is that every generation will experience a famine. In the average person's lifetime, you experience three to four or more recessions. That is general famine. There's also private famine, which is tailor-made for individuals. It's different from the generic one. One is a collective responsibility for all of us to tackle because of the cycles in our world. The other one will be born out of certain level of irresponsibility that we engage part-time. I don't know if you're getting what I'm saying. But don't, don't, don't lose me. The most important thing I'm saying is that all our patriarchs in the Bible experience famine. There are famine that will come upon that there will be famine that will come upon the world that you and I will have no control of. Yeah. The world is at the brink of another recession. If if nothing changes with the world that have been springing up around the world, another recession is looming. Many nations are fighting against it to rework it so that they won't lapse into a recession. Yeah, even big countries. I mean, America was at the brink of a recession. The UK struggling after Brexit, almost getting into a recession. Right here in Nigeria, we're neck deep in debt. And that is not either a statement of affront or a prophecy or anything. It's the reality. Yeah, especially if you have been following the economic news. Reality. So, some of these things will happen. But as a covenant person, I must understand that the same way the covenant protected Abraham, protected Isaac, protected Jacob, if I walk in the covenant with the right mindset, my nation may be in a recession, my world may be in a recession, but according to the scriptures, a covenant person can live outside of a recession even when there's a recession in his country. That is God's original intention for you and I. Hallelujah. If you want to celebrate God for that, celebrate God. It's a provision in the covenant that the covenant can make me recession proof. Yeah. I don't have, I mean, recession comes in cycles. There's nothing we're going to do about it. Whether it's going to enter my house or not is, is a covenant matter. The covenant can protect me against recession because recessions will come in cycles. The prodigal son got into riotous living, wasted everything, and then a recession came on top of that. What a good time for recession. Because it brought him to a place where if God will not help him, he will completely be helpless. Glory be to Jesus. The Bible says, so he begged a farmer in that country to hire him. The farmer hired him and sent him out to feed the pigs. What a job. What a job. Well, it's good to start from somewhere. Tomorrow is workers' day. Nobody should be jobless. Start from somewhere. But don't stay where you are. Aspire for more. The son was so famished, he was willing even to eat the slop given to the pigs. Because no one will feed him a thing. There's no free lunch even in Freetown. Yeah. 
And that's the reality of life. That's why the covenant is essential. The world is a brutal place. Yeah. We need to be able to access the love of God, the love of the Father from time to time. And that was what done on this prodigal son. Uh, in verse 17, humiliated, the son finally realized that he was, what he was doing. And he thought, he thought, the King James says, he came to himself. There are many workers at my father's house who all have food. You know, the food they want with plenty to spare. They lack nothing, which is, that's the father's house. That's how the father's house has been configured from time immemorial. That people lack nothing, that they have more than enough in the father's house. And they have more to spare. They lack nothing. Why am I here, dying of hunger, feeding these pigs and eating their slops? <laughs> it's a big question, which we're asking. How did you get here? How did you get here? The next verse says, I want to go back home to my father's house. Somebody's time to go back home. Say amen, somebody. And I said to him, Father, I was wrong. I have sinned against you. I'll never again be worthy to be called your son. Please, Father, just treat me like one of your employees. Verse 20. So the young son set off home for home. For a long distance away, his father saw him from a long distance, saw him coming. Dressed as a beggar or looking like a beggar. And great compassion swelled up in his heart for his son. So, uh, for his son who was returning home, the father raised out to meet him, swept him up in his arms, hugged him dearly, and kissed him over and over with tender love. May you experience the love of God this season. Yeah. Then the son said, Father, I was wrong. I sinned against you. I could never desire to be called your son. Just make me, you know, he was just reciting everything he has written in his speech. Just make me like, make me, the father interrupted and said, I love this rendition of TPT. It was like, see, the father just cut in. I said, son, you are home now. You are home now. You are home now. That's what matters. That's what matters. That's what this is all about, that you can be back home. Turning to his servant, the father said, Quick, bring me the best rope, my very own rope. I will place it on his shoulders. Bring the ring, the seal of sonship. That is the Holy Ghost. The Bible says we have been sealed with the Holy Ghost. The seal of sonship. Bring it like a signet. Put it in his hand, which guarantees that I can stand in the place of the father. With the seal of sonship, he can sign the check of his father. How great God is. That a useless boy who had misbehaved can come back home one day and his status is restored. Just like that. Yeah, just like that. The Bible says, if God will count iniquity, who can stand? But he's gracious towards us. Yeah, not... You know, imputing our sins unto us. So gracious a father. Just like that. Status restored. Status restored. I pray for somebody today in this service. Your status will be restored. Yeah. In the precious name of Jesus. Yeah. So, it says also, uh, and bring out the best shoe you can find for my son. Let's prepare a great feast and celebrate. For my beloved son was once dead. But now is alive. Once it was lost, but now is found. And everyone celebrated with overflowing joy. Verse 25. Now the older son, second character. Let's move quickly. Are you following me? Second character. The older son was out walking in the field when his brother returned. And as he was approaching the house, he heard music of celebration and dancing. There was a party going on. He called over one of the servants and asked, what's going on? The servant replied, it's your younger brother. 
is returned home and your father is throwing a party to celebrate his homecoming. The older son became angry and refused to go in and celebrate. So his father came out and pleaded with him, come and enjoy the feast with us. The son said, father, listen. How many years have I worked like a slave, like a slave? He had a wrong mindset. He was part of the inheritance, but he was working like a slave, performing every duty. But you have never thrown a party for me because of my faithfulness. His faithfulness was underguarded by the wrong mindset, obeying regulations, just being present. That was all it, fix, it was fixated on. Ah, look at this. Never once have you even given me a goat that I could feast on and celebrate with my friends as this son of yours is doing now. And King James said, you didn't even give me a young goat or a little goat. Some people have little goat mindset when God is saying everything is yours. Everything is literally yours. Everything that I have is yours. And so this young man, I mean this older guy, was beefing the younger guy and beefing his father at the same time. Look at him. He comes back after wasting your wealth on prostitutes and reckless living. And here you are throwing a great feast to celebrate for him. The father said, my son, you are always with me. By my side, everything I have is yours to enjoy. Everything I have is yours to enjoy. Tell your neighbor, say, everything God has is yours to enjoy. Say, everything God has is yours to enjoy. Say to somebody, say, everything God has is yours to enjoy. Let's dive into it very quickly. The young son, again, let's look at it schematically. The mindset, the covenant is all about what I can get. That was the mindset of the young son. The covenant is all about all I can get. And the meat there is that prosperity is the only proof of the blessing. Nothing can be further from the truth. God wants to share his life with us, not just material resources. We are an extension of him. We are not in this for what to get. The prodigal son came unmindful of a few things, and I will mention them. One was that there's time for everything. There's time for everything. He was asking his father, don't you think it is time? Who dictates the time? Is it me or God? Yeah. There's time for everything. We're in a covenant with God. Sometimes, we are wishing for what we are not prepared for. Now, from this story, was the prodigal son prepared to manage anything? There are many people today who are blaming God for not doing this or doing that, but not asking the question, can I handle it? Am I prepared for it? Is this the season for this? Because today, we have some areas of business, for instance, everybody wants to jump into it. Because they feel that if you jump there, you just blow. Yeah, especially if you're now in business and then you can pray at the same time and you're a child of God. Just pray, do business, you blow. Yeah. And for most of them, blowing just means buying a good house and driving the best car in town and just show it for everybody to see. The adv advanced free for economy which in Nigeria we call 419, has been fueled by that mindset to the end that even people that are saved don't mind defrauding people for money. Can you believe that pastors pray over fraudulent people? Yeah. And pray a prayer of agreement with them. Even armed robbers in this part of the world, they pray and share grace before they go to rob. And I don't know where we got our version of Christianity from. It's amazing that we believe that we can just use God as we like. Yeah. 
So God has then become a tool. You know, we're in Africa, we're used to idol. And the idols, we can command them, we can tell them what to do. Yeah. So it's, I think it's a carryover of that mindset. Because any God that you can control anyhow is no longer God. You are the God. You know, it's the other way around. Yeah. <laughs> There are guiding principles to our work with God. We have authority with God, but we don't control God. Yeah. It's guided by certain principles, this arrangement. Glory be to Jesus. So everything has time. The Bible says to everything, there's a time. You know, on a season, to everything under the sun. So it's extremely important that you and I, you know, we come to terms with the fact that God is the one in charge of the times and seasons of our lives. God is the one in, 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 in charge. And our responsibility is to build capacity so that we can be in line with his time and his seasons for our lives. The prodigal son got it wrong. He saw the covenant as a transaction. His sonship must always be to his advantage. It's about transaction. What can I get from this? So, but we must give him a credit, which was that he was bold enough to ask. He was bold enough to ask. The only problem was the capacity to manage what he was asking for. Because how you manage money and resources matter. It matters how you manage things. It's what qualifies you for your next level. It's what qualifies you for your next level. You see what the scripture says in Luke chapter 16, when you read from uh, verse 10, also in the Passion Translation, it said, the one who faithfully manages the little he has, or he has been given, will be promoted and trusted with greater responsibilities. But those who cheat with the little they have, or they've been given, will not be considered trustworthy to receive more. He said, if you have not handled the riches of this world with integrity, why should you be trusted with the eternal treasure of the spiritual world? It's very important that we focus on developing capacity. But like I said, we give credit to the younger son, because he had the boldness and the audacity to ask. He was asking out of season and divine timing, and he lacked capacity to manage what he was asking for. If you want to work in covenant with God, you have to be sensitive to divine timing. You have to trust him. One of the greatest prayer of a covenant child of God is, Father, give me capacity for what is ahead of me. Prepare me for what you have prepared for me. Prepare me for what you have prepared for me. Secondly, the older son, very quickly, the older son. The older son. When the older son will show up in the midst of everything, this beautiful story of redemption, when the older son will show up, his own mindset also started to play out. Service and scarcity are holy. Poverty is the proof of holiness. That is the mindset of the big brother of the prodigal son. Because even when he was confronting his father, he was talking about young goat. That capacity to just ask, especially being older, we presume that he should have better capacity. I don't know if you're getting what I'm saying. The only thing was that he never asked for anything. He was content with being in the house, following all the rules, the most holy that you can get. And he was proud of his holiness. So I follow all the rules in this house. I walk faithfully. You know, it's possible for somebody to be in church 10, 20, 30 years. And you cannot really truly show the proof of walking in the covenant. You are in church, you are a Christian, but the covenant is not playing out the way it's supposed to play out. Because of the lack of boldness to walk in covenant with God, 
place the right demand with the right capacity to manage it. Now, there are mindsets that undergird that or scriptures that people have used to defend that. Yeah. One thing we must understand is that the father could not have blessed the younger boy without blessing the older boy. Yet, the older one didn't come into possession of what the father has. He actually divided his inheritance between both of them. It's like a wheel. But the older one cared less about what it is, which is not bad. He didn't make it a transaction like the younger one. The only problem was that he also didn't press him at all. And there are some scriptures that have hindered people from being able to press him. One, First Timothy chapter 6 and verse number 6. This scripture has been in the traditional church as one of the hindrance, which says, godliness with contentment is great gain. He said, we brought nothing into this world and will not take anything with us. So he said, certainly we won't take anything. Verse 8 says, having food. He said, having food and clothing. Yeah. If we just have, you know, four shirts and three trousers, <laughs> he said, we shall be content. He said, but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and snare. So many people don't desire to be rich because they don't want to fall into temptation and snare. What about the capacity to manage temptation and snare? <laughs> Are you still with me today? He said, and to many foolish and harmful laws which drown, which drown men in destruction and perdition. This was actually the story of the prodigal son. Yeah. But it was because of lack of capacity. And he went ahead in verse 10 to say, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrow. But if you stop there, you haven't done anything. If you go to verse 11, he said, But, but, but you, O man of God, but you, O man of God, you can enjoy inheritance, but you have to flee these things while you pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness in your heart. Not while running away because we don't want to get into trouble. Who should confront trouble if not somebody that is in the covenant with God? Oh, you don't get what I'm saying today. Yeah. It is in our best interest that we develop capacity with God so that every trouble that can come with wealth, we can handle it. We can handle it. And by the way, what the scripture says in verse 6 of 1 Timothy chapter 6 is godliness with contentment. That simply means if you understand what godliness with contentment means, you, will, you can never be prodigal. Let me explain. Contentment is different from containment. Contentment means I celebrate where I am on the way to where I'm going. This is my level today. I rejoice in my lot. I'm not complaining. I'm gaining capacity for vision, for possibilities, and I'm building capacity to manage resources. So I'm content here, but I'm not going to be contained here. The older brother of the prodigal son was content in his father's house, but he was at the same time contained. God is in the business of moving his people from point A to point B in our covenant work with him. But when we choose to only be contained and not just be content, so that we can develop capacity for the next level and we're moving with the Holy Spirit to the next level and to the next level, we turn contentment to containment. And it's dangerous. Because it's a religious spirit that people validate so that when somebody has remained at the same level for so long, they think the person is not, is not a cheat. That's why... <laughs> That's why they have been living in that one bedroom. Because they've refused to cheat. <laughs> I don't get it. No, 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 no. God wants you and I 
to aspire to press into our inheritance as we walk with him. The only thing is that we must have the right mindset. The right mindset. It is not money that is the root of all evil. It is the love of money. Money is good. Can't you feel the effect of money in this room? Yeah. Because we, can, we could have been having this service in the sun. Yeah. But money, money. <laughs> Glory be to Jesus. You are able to pay your children's school fees and send them to good schools because money is good. You live in a good house because money is good. It is the love of money that is the root of all evil, not money. The prodigal son's older brother was afraid of all those things. Perhaps that's why he wasn't willing to press in. The guy that pressed in lacked the capacity to handle it. Some way, one way or the other, you and I will find ourselves in that balance from time to time. Am I the prodigal son or the brother of the prodigal son? Within every congregation, we have both the prodigal son and the brother of the prodigal son. The ones who will just come to church, like they say in this part of the world, pray dangerous prayers, blow and blow out. <laughs> and the ones who will stay, develop capacity and all that, but not be willing to aspire and press into the covenant. By grace, with the right mindset, with the right capacity, so you can do big things for God and for his kingdom. We find ourselves in that balance from time to time. And the devil is at work outside of this arrangement so that in the world, the world is filled with conditions and atmospheres that makes it to be that it will look like if you want to press into wealth, you must compromise. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be. Because God, the force of righteousness is still stronger than the force of evil in our world today. Yeah. Glory be to Jesus. Let's wrap this up with the, the last character who is the father, the God himself. The last character. What we saw in the last character is that it's a giving father. A giving father. Who gives? Yeah. It's a giving father. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 8.18, and you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant which he swore to your fathers as it is today. It is he who gives us the power to get wealth. It's a given father. So the mindset is, it is more blessed to give. The meat is, if I use it, or give it away, I become poor. If I use it or give it away, I become poor. The father shared like half of his inheritance with the prodigal son. Yet, it was still becoming bigger. After the boy has wasted everything, he came back home, he still met more than enough. This father is a giving father. If we are going to walk in a covenant with him, we must be giving children of a giving father. Must be given children of a given father. We must embrace one of his attributes with his generosity. The father's wealth did not diminish after he gave the younger son half of his, you know, uh, his wealth. The wealth was tied to wisdom and power, not just material things. And you know what? Wealth can be replaced or recreated when we are working in the covenant. Anyone who may have lost anything under the influence of my voice, I want you to know if you know your father, you will stop mourning. Because God can replace and recreate what you have lost. And he will do it for you in this season. In the name of Jesus. The father was a fearless giver. Fearless giver. Fearless giver. So my understanding of what produces wealth you know, matters in this arrangement. And the new covenant unleashes the power of the blessing. 
the power to get wealth, which comes from God. The only problem is that just like the father told the son, all that I have is yours. The son should also be able to tell the father, all that I also have is yours. Because we are joint heirs. That's the arrangement. We are joint heirs. God demonstrates unusual stewardship with what he has. And he expects us to also demonstrate the same kind of stewardship. That's why Proverbs 11 and verse 24 in the New Living Translation it says, give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. And that's a principle that God operated with in this parable. The message translation of Proverbs 11 and 24 says, message translation, it says, the, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets what? Can you say it for me to hear? And smaller. God understands this principle and demonstrated it. Guys, you can take whatever. You are still going to come back to meet me here with plenty. Yeah, with plenty. I wonder how many people want to walk in a covenant with God, but you want to walk with a generous God, but you don't want to be generous either towards him or towards other people. That limits our capacity to enjoy the benefits of the covenant. Glory be to Jesus. I said, glory be to Jesus. And lastly today, the father. Another mindset from the father. Taking two mindsets from the last character, the father. is also that he's not just a giving father, he's a restoring father. Yeah, he's a restoring father. Souls matter to God and to me. That's the mindset. But the meat is that soul winning is the work of pastors and evangelists and missionaries. So some people, I like it that you give to missions or you give to church and all that, but God wants you also to participate. When the prodigal son's brother refused to come into the celebration, the father went to say, you have to come in. All this thing, this family and the wealth and everything we are sharing and what you are querying me about, what is it all about? It's all about restoration and redemption. If you don't get it, you have missed the entire covenant. Your sonship and everything is all about restoration and redemption. Anything short of that, your mind is working upside down. That's what the father was telling him. You need to come in here and rejoice with us. This wealth is nothing. This inheritance is nothing. This, my boy, was lost. Now it's found. The Bible says, angels rejoice in heaven when one sinner repents. Because this old world, this old thing, this old blood of Jesus, and this old everything is about redemption and restoration. Not about billions of dollars only. Not about making life work only. Not about having, you know, children or spouse only. It's about redemption and restoration. Can I put a question to you today? And we're going to discuss this further in a couple of weeks as we move on in this series. The need to walk in a covenant with God, having the mindset of a soul winner. Many of us have friends around us who are busy getting on drugs, you know, breaking homes, destroying corporations, destroying the life of young people, just doing all kinds of things. And yet, we're not moved by that. We just want to do transaction. Just want to make more money. And God is saying, no, that's not what it's all about. Everything is about redemption and restoration. And the earlier you get that and walk in the fullness of it, the better. That's what the scripture is saying. Glory be to Jesus. How many people will say, Father, I want to work in a covenant with you, with the right mindset. I want capacity to manage resources. I want to be faithful in my giving. I want to be a generous person. I want to be a soul winner. As we continue in this series, we're going to unpack this a lot more. But I needed to get one thing. That our work with God is not flimsy. Covenant, the covenant is with the blood of Jesus. 
It is not ordinary. It is not a flimsy thing. That's why God doesn't do casual relationship. It's covenant. Is that his covenant or nothing? Because it has implication. It has implication. And if you want to get the best of it, we must be willing to walk in covenant. We're going to pray. But before we pray, I'd love to pray for a couple of people here. Then you'll spare me like three to five minutes for us to do a congregational prayer. Is that okay? Can we all bow down our heads? I want to pray for anyone, whether you are in this room or you are online, anyone who may be saying, PG, I'm far away from God. I cannot say that I have a covenant with God right now. I want to come back to Jesus. Or somebody who may be saying, I gave my life to Christ a while ago, but I backslid into sin. I want to rededicate my life to God. If you are right in this service, can I request, just put your right hand on your heart. I want to pray for you. Just put your right hand on your heart. I want to pray for you. You want to come back to God. You want to give your life to Christ. You want to rededicate your life to Jesus. Just put your right hand on your heart. I want to pray for you. If you are online, I want you to do the same. I want you to do the same. And if you are online, I want you to go to the chat or comment on the platform from where you're joining us and put it there, write it there. I want to give my life to Jesus or I want to rededicate my life to Jesus. Now, if your hand is on your heart, can you lift the second one up as a sign of your surrender to God today? And I want to pray for you. Just leave the second one up as a sign of your surrender to God. That's the sign that you're surrendering to God and saying, my life, my soul, everything, they all belong to you and I'm, I want to surrender it today. I want to give it all to you. I want to submit it to you. I want you to have your way in my life. Father, have your way in my life. I want to come into a covenant with you through the blood of Jesus. If your hand is up, stand by your chair right there. Just stand where you are. Stand where you are. Just remain where you are, but stand. Please stand. Thank you for standing. Just stand where you are. Stand where you are and let me pray for you. Remain where you are, but stand and let me pray for you. Let me pray for you. Please stand. Stand and let me pray for you. Everyone online, go into the chat or comment and I want you to. Just right there, I want to give my life to Jesus. I'm rededicating my life to Jesus. If you are right in the room, please join the people standing right now and let's say a prayer together. Let's say a prayer together. I'm still waiting for one or two people. Maybe the Holy Spirit is knocking at the door of your heart. Please don't resist. Whether you're on the gallery, under the gallery, on the main floor, please stand right now. It's a sign of your surrender to Jesus, not to the pastor. No one can save another. Only Jesus saved. He's the one that saves. And he gave his life for us to come into a covenant with our father and to be restored into his family. If you're standing, I want you to say this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I come to you today. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. I need a savior. Today, I ask that you forgive me my sins and that you cleanse me from every unrighteousness. I receive you as my Lord and my personal Savior. Thank you for your death on the cross and for your blood that was shed for the remission of my sins. Today, fill my heart with your spirit and give me a new beginning with you. Thank you, Father, for accepting me just the way I am. 